We'll start in verse 36 and read 36 through 42. We are teaching on the DNA of the church or the core values of the church. It could be the DNA of the church, whichever way you want to take it, or the core values of the church. But the bottom line is what we're going over, what we're teaching, it is very essential. It is very important. Thank you that we get this into our spirit, that we get this into our heart. Amen. We have to have the right foundation. A lot of times we can't get it together because we're building on the wrong foundation. But when you start building on the right foundation, then it got to get right sooner or later. Things got to turn around for you sooner or later when you're building on the right foundation. Acts chapter 2, verse number 36 says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly, follow me now, that God had made that same Jesus. I believe you can translate it this way, that God had become that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. We have to get this in our bones. We have to get this in our heart. We have to get this in our spirit that the writer of Acts, the, 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 the Luke wrote Acts and Luke is trying to get us to understand something here. As, as Peter ministered, Peter ministered to those that were present and he says, God had made the same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Remember, Lord means God and Christ means anointed one or Messiah. So what he's saying is God had become God Almighty and the Messiah, the anointed one. That's who you have crucified. It says in verse 37, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles. Let me tell you something. What we just heard of, of uh, Brother Nathan preaching, we become educated and, be, and, and with that education come this conservative way of being. With that education or that knowledge come, uh, 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 we worry about what people think about us. And so we don't respond the way uh, the old timers responded. And so I just was going through my Bible today, and I might even preach something about this in, in, in a short while, how... how when 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 the word of God hit people back in the day, people made a decision to do something about it. When the word of God spoke to your situation, when the word of God spoke to your life, you did something. You didn't sit back in the church and just was just all right. I hear what he's saying and 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 kind of think in your mind some alternative ways. When they heard the word that 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 convicted their heart, they responded. And what's happening to us is we're not getting convicted enough by the word of God to respond to God. We should never allow God's word to be spoken, to be ministered to us, and we don't respond because the Bible says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. We treat the word of God almost like it's separate from God, and that's a mistake because God cannot be separate from his word. So when we minister the word of God, God himself is speaking to us, and when we don't respond, we're ignoring God. We have no hope if we ignore Jesus Christ. He is the only source we have. He is the only hope that we have. So when his word is spoken to our life and we don't respond like these folks responded, we have no hope. And to take for granted to think that, well, I will do it another time. You don't understand. 
because you don't know if you will have another chance. You don't know. Did you know that repentance is a gift? I'm going to talk to you a little bit tonight. Repentance, we, we can go to God and repent of our sins. But why you think we can repent of a sin and find ourselves doing it later on, but there's other times where you repented of your sins and you never do, do that anymore. You missed that. Uh-huh. Because God is the one that grant us and work in our life when repentance really do take place. Sometimes we're confessing and God is not responding because the time is not in align with his time. It's all about him. It's all about he, how he operates. And so we can't take for granted when we hear something that, oh yeah, he'll tell me that again. And you can't tell even if he tell it to you again, where your heart will be to respond to it. Most of the time, when God gets a word through to us, it's because of where we are personally. The word of God will always mean differently to you depending on where you are personally. So you, where you are right now, may not be where you are next week. So if you hear this again next week, you may not respond to it next week. Because you wasn't at the place where you need to be. We can't take God's word for granted. And so when they heard what they had done was so wrong, they were pricked. They were convicted in their heart and they said... Men and brethren, what shall we do? Like Nathan just preached. I've been in service where the power of God moved on somebody's heart and they knew they were doing wrong and they came to the altar and they laid down their cigarettes. They came to the altar. They took out their drink and laid it on the table. They came to the altar and they begin to repent and ask God to forgive them because they didn't care what anybody else thought. They just know God spoke to their heart and they want to get their stuff together. Nowadays, we hear the word of God and we say, well, maybe when I get home, I kneel down by my bedside and talk to the Lord. You don't know where you will be emotionally, personally, spiritually when you go home tonight. You don't know where you're going to be. You don't know how anything will affect you when you get out of here. So you have to take full advantage of what's happening right now. You don't know what's going to happen when you leave out of here. You can just go in a car and turn on the radio and something come on, take your mind all the way across the world and no longer you thinking about what just happened. We can't wait to leave here to respond to God. We can't put it off till tomorrow. Well, tomorrow wake up early and pray. We got to get on it right now. What shall I do, Lord? If God speak to your heart tonight, you need to respond to him right now. The quicker you get over people, the more, the better off you're going to be in God. I am so over people. I am so over people, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean when it comes down to God, nobody intimidates me. Nobody makes me decide that I'm not going to respond to God. Nobody's going to make me hold back what I need to give to God. I'm over that. Nobody will stop me from responding to God. I don't care what you think of me. Remember what I keep telling you. Don't let people mess with your thinking and your, your mind because we're all the same, struggling the same way, going through the same things. I don't care how much we sit up here and look like we got it together. You can't fool nobody if they're in the Word. We're all flesh and blood and we all are going through. So let's just forget about what people will say or what they will think. I'm just going to respond to Jesus for myself. Self, I don't care what you think. I don't care what you say. I watch. I watch. I just had a phone call from a good brother the other day that that told me some stuff that I, you know, you probably just never thought he would be dealing with. And all I, I, when people tell me crazy stuff, it's like I didn't hear it. All I think about is how we work together to be strong and never go back that way. That's how I think.
don't have time to dwell on the crazy stuff they're telling me. Why? Because it's not shocking. We hear stuff and we think it's shocking. Oh, I cannot believe what you're talking about. All have sinned. We're corrupt. We're flesh and blood. And if we don't lock in with the Lord, we're going to keep on doing mess. I'm not surprised. I'm not shocked about anything. You heard what? I don't care about it. Don't tell me what happened. Just tell me what can I do to help. I don't need to know what happened. I just want to know how to help. And that's what I believe God is interested in. How we're going to come to him and say, God, help me with this. As opposed to going around trying to cover it up. I don't want nobody to know. And shame on us when we try to let somebody else's business out. Trying to make somebody look small. Trying to make somebody look bad. Shame on us. And we have to be careful if we ever do that because your day is coming. Your day is coming when you try to let somebody look less than who they are. I don't care if you see them doing wrong. I know what the Bible already said about that. If you see your brethren overtaken by a fault, you who are spiritual should go and go help that brother. It didn't say you should go talk about him. Go help him. Verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, after they asked, what should we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent. Turn around from the direction you are going in and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. It didn't say for the remission of your sins. It says for the remission of sins. That's why you will hear when I baptize people, I will tell them that you need to make sure you also forgive anyone that you feel like did something against you. So don't you can't hold anything to them. So whatever sin they've committed against you, you can't hold it to them. Because if you do, right now God will not forgive you of your repentance. So when we are getting baptized, we are forgiven any, we're forgiven everybody that we think did something to us and God has forgiven us as we confess our sins. So the Bible didn't say for the remission of your sins, it says for the remission of sins. And here's the promise, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So God said if you do all of those things, I'm promising you a gift. Verse 39, for the promise. What is the promise? The gift. What is the gift? The Holy Spirit. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did they testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Here's something very important to look at. Then they that gladly receive his word were baptized. Now, you know what stuck out to me? They that gladly receive. You know what that means to me? There were some that didn't gladly receive. It says then they that gladly it wouldn't have read that way if all had gladly. It says they that gladly. So everybody that heard the preaching didn't respond to the preaching. Some respond to it, but not all responded to it. So they that gladly received the word were baptized. Here we go again, old timers. They said, what did you say? What do we need to do? They were told what to do. Guess what they did? Responded and did what they were told to do. We still sitting on the chairs. And the same day, they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And here's our key verse. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. The last time I taught on this lesson, we talked about the apostles' doctrine. So we said that all of what we just read from Acts chapter 2, verse 36, all the way to 42, that encompasses 
what you have to do to become a part of the church and what you have to do to continue in the church. So if you read Acts chapter 2, verse 36, actually take it out through 47, it tells you how to become a part of the church and how to stay a part of the church. That's what it tells you. Understand this, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they are the gospel of Jesus Christ. It tells you about the life of Christ. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four different men wrote from their perspective what they picked up about Jesus. When you get to Acts, Acts is the beginning of the church. So if you want to know how the church began, this is it. This is how the church began. This is it. If you want to know how the church should be operating, this is it. Read this and see what this is saying and then ask yourself, the church that I'm a part of, is that happening? So we will find the DNA, the core value of the church in Acts chapter 2 Verse 36 through 47. When we talked about the apostles' doctrine, we say, what is the apostles' doctrine? What, 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 what did the apostles' doctrine represent? We went through a detailed explanation of what the apostles' doctrine is. But let me first say it. It is what it is, what it sounds like. The doctrine of the apostles. The teachings of the apostles. So people like to say, well, why are you following the apostles and not Jesus? And that's just an erroneous question, but I'll answer it for you. Who did the apostles follow? Who was their master and who disciples were they? Jesus. So we can really say, but God is so good that he allowed it to be written as the apostles' doctrine. He could have not let it be written there and says the doctrine of Jesus Christ. He could have done that. But he allowed it to be the apostles' doctrine because that's just the way God is. He says, I took one from among you. In this case, I took 12 from among you. And I made you own this. I taught you. I trained you. I, I made sure it was ingrained in your soul and your spirit. It became a part of you. And you obeyed it. And now that that's the way it is, it's yours. It's yours. It came from me, but it's yours. When we get a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's our relationship. It ain't nobody else's relationship. It's your relationship with Jesus. So you own that. And whatever you're going to say, people are going to say, you said it. But you know where you got it from. I can say the doctrine of Daryl. I can say the doctrine of Tom. I can say the doctrine of Steve and Trevor and the doctrine of any name in here. I can say the doctrine. Because we know it's not ours. It didn't originate with us. Here's a good example. Holy Ghost operating tonight. Here's a good example. This is my life. Where did you get your life from? You ready? That, that, that's what I'm saying. So that's why we can say the apostles doctrine. Because we can say this is my life. Nobody can tell me what to do. I hear you. It's your life. I just want, I, got, I just got one question. Where did you get that life from? How did you arrive at that life that you own right now? Just asking. Well, the doctrine can be the apostles' doctrine because it ain't theirs. But just like your life ain't yours, but you own it, the apostles, the doctrine ain't theirs, but they owned it. So it's the apostles' doctrine. They got it straight from the almighty God who became man, Jesus Christ. So when we say the apostles' doctrine, don't let anybody tie you up. The bottom line is it's the doctrine of Jesus Christ. But the apostles, they taught it after Jesus left here. So they represented the teachings. And it's written in the Bible says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. So we can't dispute it. 
What did we say the apostles' doctrine was? The apostles' doctrine covered that God is one. God is one. A lot of people say God is one, but they don't really understand that God is one. But we covered that last time we talked about it, so I'm not going to get into it. Also, what's the apostles' doctrine? Salvation. Salvation comes by revelation of who God is, repentance, baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. You cannot get baptized in titles because the apostles didn't teach that. The apostles taught that you get baptized in the name, the authority, the, 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 the name of the one who died for you. So, so when we talk about the apostles doctrine, salvation is only in the name. Baptism is only in the name. We talked about the promise of the gift of the Holy Spirit. We said that the first initial evidence of receiving the Holy Spirit is by speaking with other tongues. You don't make your tongues move, but the Holy Spirit is the one that allow you to speak that language that you can't understand because it's between you and God. And so we talk about that. We talk about uh, that, that the Apostles' Doctrine taught us to live a lifestyle that's separated from the world. And then they also talked about the return of Jesus Christ. So in a nutshell, that's the Apostles' Doctrine. Tonight, we're going to talk uh, about the next thing that it says, and they continued steadfastly in the Apostles' Doctrine and Fellowship. So we're going to talk tonight about the importance of fellowship. The importance of fellowship. What is fellowship? Fellowship is having and sharing things in common with each other. Fellowship is having and sharing things in common with each other. You got to pay attention to that because we're going to come back around to that same definition of fellowship that we have to have the same things in common. We have to have the same things in common and that we need to share the things, the same things we have in common. We have to share them. Fellowship is participation with one another, communication with one another. All Christians have the same hope of heaven. The same joy, the same hatred of sin, the same enemies to contend with. Thus, all Christians have the same subjects of conversation, of feelings, of prayer, and even with our communion. Here is something you must understand. As a Christian, nobody else have your viewpoint. As a Christian, nobody else have your viewpoint. They don't understand the same way. They don't have the same actions like you. They're not seeking after the same things like you. And so, as a Christian, you got to realize that we are very important to one another because I can only go to you and tell you the things that I think about and the things that just, just I bear in my soul like discontent. Spiritual, divine discontent. I can tell you that. Just picture me going to work tomorrow talking about, I've got a divine discontent. Like, what in the world happened to our boss? Something wrong with him. So what we have and what we do is synonymous to us. We need one another. That's why we must fellowship. Because I don't want to jump ahead of myself. We have to fellowship. Tell your neighbor we got a fellowship. We read in the scripture, which we preached about not long ago, it says, abide in me. When you abide in Christ, that's fellowship. <laughs> when you abide in Christ, that's fellowship. You, you, you are continuing to dwell in him. You are, you are standing in him. You are, you are having relations with him. When, when he says abide in me, he's saying have fellowship with me. John 17, 11 says, and now I am no more. This is Jesus. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I 
come to thee. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those that has given that, that though has given me that they may be one as we are. So here's the story. Jesus is praying that as Jesus and the Father is one, we disciples, Christians are one. Now we can't physically become one. We can't be put together and become one. So what does that mean? One in our mind in our thinking, one in our actions, one in our understanding. So he's praying that we become one, meaning we're going in the same direction, meaning we're thinking about the same things, meaning we're working towards the same goal. That's what he's saying. He's praying that we become one. So it gets you back to that place of how we assemble ourselves when we come to church. Some want to come, some don't want to come. What do you think that is? That's a problem when it says that part of our DNA, our core value as Christians is we got to come together for fellowship. And we don't even understand it. We're blaming it on all kind of stuff. We're using our intellect to run us away from Jesus. We're using our education, our knowledge to chase us away from Jesus. We come up with these intellectual thoughts about how things should be, and we won't go back to this word. I don't know if the word of God has gotten too simple for us because we're so knowledgeable now. To have effective fellowship with each other, we must first have effective fellowship with Jesus Christ. So what's challenging us a little bit is we are not fellowshipping with Jesus. And if you're not fellowshipping with Jesus, you won't be motivated. You won't be driven to go have fellowship with your brother and sister in Christ. When you read the word of God and you get a revelation, who do you talk to about it? When you pray and God put a thought in your heart when you were praying, who do you talk to about it? That's going to understand you. We have to fellowship with him. And how do we fellowship with him? When we commune with his spirit. When we pray. When we worship. When we read the word of God. When we take communion. When we meditate. We are in fellowship with Christ Jesus. So if you want to fellowship with him every day, read your Bible and pray. That's fellowship. If you want to fellowship with him every day, worship him. You are in fellowship with him. And if you do that, you're going to want to be around your brothers and sisters in Christ. You don't do that? I don't want to deal with them people. If you would really get engaged with God, you will realize that People kind of know your game. You're not hiding anything from anybody. Because when you understand that if I'm really engaged in fellowship with the Lord, I want to be around his, his, his children. I want to be around my brothers and sisters. When you stay away from the people of God, you can lie to yourself and say, I don't mess with them people. They're all hypocrites. They all look at you all funny. They always got something to say. They treat you wrong. And they always saying something smart. You can go ahead and say that. But if you ask me, you haven't been in fellowship with Jesus. You know what's funny? People always get guided in some way, shape, or form to connect with someone that's kind of like them. Here's my problem with that. We don't see a lot of people that are really seeking the Lord joining together with each other. Is it because we don't have a lot of them? Because we can always find some people that's hooking up because we have things in common and it might not be things about the Lord. It might be other things. We need more people that's drawn to people that is kind of 
desperate for Jesus. Divine discontent. I told you many for many years growing up in the church. Brother Wayne, man, I gotta, I gotta, I, I gotta roll with you, man, because you about God's business. I want to get strong. Okay, come on, brother. Two days. Can't find him after that. I'm not knocking the brothers. I'm just telling you that for some reason. It seemed like it's difficult for us to have this hunger, this spiritual, this spiritual discontent, and we, we go seek somebody out with that and stick with them. Man, I thank God for my good friend, Brother Warren. He did it. Brother Henry did it. Brother Henry and Brother White did it. <laughs> Brother Henry and Brother White did it. They they kept rolling with me. 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 I'm moving fast and they kept rolling. <laughs> First Corinthians 1 and 9. The Bible says, God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Look at 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no division among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. I'm still trying to get you to understand Nobody will be able to understand you like your brother in Christ or your sister in Christ. And so we don't have a choice. We have to do everything we can to fellowship with one another, to spend time with one another, because nobody will understand you like your brother and sister in Christ. And then we have here where it says that you be perfectly joined together. Christians can only have true fellowship with each other. I'm about to step on some toes real quick, but I'll explain myself. Christians can only have true fellowship with each other. Why? You have all things in common when you become a Christian. So when we become Christians, we have everything in common. Here's the toe stepper now. True fellowship can only take place with people who have the same things in common. So what it means is everybody else that you will be around, you can't fellowship with them. Now, I'm about to help you out. I'm not leaving you right there. I don't want you to stay right there because you're a little tense right now. Because you're thinking about spouse. You're thinking about relatives. You're thinking about... Co-workers. Because we have to have things in common, which is Christ Jesus, the word of God, faith, hope, prayer, worship, all of those things we have in common. And if someone is not a child of God, they don't have that in common with you. So you can't have true fellowship with them because true fellowship is the having and sharing. Remember I told you? Make a note of that definition is to have and to share all things in common. So here's what I'm telling you. Here's how I get you out of the tenseness that you're in because you're worried now. Everybody else that's not a Christian that you spend time with, you're being a witness to them. It could be your spouse. It could be your neighbor. It could be your coworker. I don't care who it is. You can't really fellowship with them because what you would share with them, they can't share it back with you. But what you can be is be an example of Christ to them. What you can be is salt. What you can be is light. What you can be is a witness. And that is hard stuff, baby. But it's what you have to do with everybody else. So if it's your husband, if it's your wife, if it's your children, if 
if it's your cousin, your aunt, your niece, your mom, your dad, your uncle, your aunt, it doesn't matter. You can't fellowship with them if they are not a Christian. But you can be around them. You can be in their life. You just have to make sure you're representing God at all times. Now, that's what we don't want to do. But that's what it comes down to. So let me give you a, a good idea. And let me show you what I mean by this. Just imagine God moved on you in the service. Worship God. Everything is wonderful and you feel the power of God, right? And God said to you, you need to go to sister so-and-so and make it right with her because you were wrong. You going to tell that to your spouse? Just ask the question. Okay. And then your spouse probably sitting over there saying, so why were you talking bad about her? I thought you was a Christian. I thought you was a Christian. Why were you talking bad about her? You see what I mean? There ain't no good witness. You can only talk to your sister in Christ about that. Because she understands. She had that situation. You have all things in common. But when that happens, you can't go share that with your spouse. Because they're already looking for a reason not to come to church. See, I know. I know. Listen. Yeah. All y'all go to church. and y'all, y'all ain't nothing but hypocrites anyway. That's why I don't go to church. That's what the spouse saying. You can't tell them nothing. You have to be a light. You have to be a witness to them. But your brother and sister, you fellowship with them. That's the point. We fellowship with one another. And to the rest of the world, we love them. To the rest of the world, we're a witness to them. To the rest of the world, we're a light to them. We can't go telling them all the stuff about the church. That's why you can't fellowship with nobody else. So that's the problem. We can't fellowship with nobody else. We only can fellowship with each other. And don't make it such a big deal and make it feel overwhelming. And like, man, that's tough. And Don't let it carry you anywhere because here's the truth of the matter. If your mom, if your dad, if your children, doesn't matter who they are, if they don't get saved, you're not spending eternity with them. You spend eternity with the ones that you fellowshiped with. That's a tough pill to swallow, but it's truth. You got to hold on to that. So that's why it's important to keep on being a witness to them that are not yet saved, that are in your house or out of your house, because if they don't get saved, they will not spend eternity with you. But the person you're sitting next to right now, they may spend eternity with you. That's your brother and your sister. They're going in the same direction you're going in. They praying to the same God you're praying to. They're striving every day to obey the same God you obeying. So you and that person is in a, on the same trajectory. But the one you love that's at home, the one you love that that's, may not be at home, but they, they related to you, you are witness to them. That don't mean you can't be close to them. It just means you got to be on your game. Because that's how sometimes we don't see spouses come to church and get saved. Because we're not on our game. And we're trying to talk to them and treat them like they got the same God we do. They don't. I don't care if they talk about him. If they're not living it, they don't. So you got to keep on witnessing to them. And it's not always telling them you need to come to church. It's just living the life. Living the life so they can see and want to come to church. That's the way it works. So fellowship, you don't do it with non-Christians. You fellowship with Christians and you be a witness and you be salt and you be light to everybody else. Don't lose that one. Hold on to that closely because then we will see the need why we can't. What the Bible says Fail not to assemble yourselves. Then we will see why the assembling of the body is so important. Because where else I'm going to go and fellowship? Only in the body. 
I can't fellowship anyplace else. Only in the body. And we have to let go of worrying about what people think about us in the body. We're going to get some good breakthrough when we're comfortable in saying, man, that's some challenges, man. I had to deal with this. I had to deal with that. I had to deal with that. God is helping me. But boy, it was a struggle. And we can feel comfortably talking to each other about that and not trying to hide stuff. I think the more we try to hide stuff, the less the power of God will ever work in our life. The Bible says remove the weights, the weights and the sins that so easily beset us. And I think when we're trying to guard against stuff and trying to, I don't want them to know this about me and we worry about what people know, it just, just, just take away from what God can do in your life. You're piling on weights on yourself. You're, you're preventing the power of God from working in your life by trying to cover up, by trying to make yourself different. I laugh at anybody that claim that, that that's going to act like something is going on different with them. Ain't nothing going on different with you. Ask Jesus. Go pray and ask him. Because nothing, the, the, the same thing that you're going through right now, Jesus went through it. I told y'all Jesus had a stepdad. His mom was young when she had him. Huh? He wasn't born in no nice place. So you come in this world, you flesh and blood. Oh, you're not exempt. You're going through the same old thing. Same old thing. We fighting the same demons. We battling the same battles. A lot of Christians backslide because they didn't fellowship with the body. They was trying to fellowship outside of the body. Keyword trying. Because I already made it clear, you can't fellowship with non-Christians. It's not possible. That's that maybe maybe I need to make it clear that way. It's not possible. Because they don't they don't know what you know. They're not like you. They don't have the same God. They don't worship the same God. They don't they've not been born again and, and trying to live for, so you can't really fellowship with them. So when you try to fellowship with them, you're only trying, but you can't. And that will frustrate you. And that's how you start backing away from God because you will begin to start doing their stuff when you start trying to fellowship with them. Because the way how life works is when we have things in common, that's when we spend time together and that's how we get along. And so when you a Christian trying to fellowship with somebody that's a non-Christian, you want it to work so bad that you're going to start doing what they do so you can have things in common. You want it to flow so good so you start doing what they do so you can have things in common. Matthew, don't do what they do because you don't have nothing in common with them. Be good friend to them, love them, but you, you can't, you can't fellowship with them because eventually you're going to find yourself doing what they do. It won't work. It won't work. Doing what they do now, you, you backslide from God and now you are in fellowship <laughs> because you have become like them. Because what I said, fellowship can only take place with people that have and share the same things in common. Why you think you look on Facebook and you see the same people doing everything and they keep posting it? They fellowshipping. They have the same thing in common. That's why they're fellowshipping. And we're not posting no videos. The Holy Ghost moved in church. And we showing fellowshipping with each other. We let the world post all of their stuff on Facebook about what they're doing in the club. And we ain't posting nothing about how the Holy Ghost moved. They fellowshipping. Because they have what they have in common. So they, they come together and fellowship. When we don't fellowship as Christians... We will find ourselves trying to fellowship with non-Christians. It don't work. You want scripture? 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Be ye not, I'm sorry, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. See? That, that was, see all that stuff? You was, you was trying to see if it was my words. The Bible just says, be not yoked up with unbelievers. 
Be not joined together with unbelievers. Be not connected. Be not in fellowship with unbelievers. Look how the Bible break it down. For what fellowship had righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion had light with darkness? And what concord had Christ with Belial? Or what part had he that believeth with an infidel? It keeps showing you the two distinct differences. You can't have fellowship with something that's different from you. So if you are always with somebody, you have something in common. <laughs> this is God's word. 16. And what agreement had the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God had said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. God's word. I know what I was saying was kind of not tasty, but I had to make sure you understand it wasn't just my word. We can't be equally yoked. We can't be joined together. We can't have fellowship with unbelievers. Again, please understand, I'm not telling you can't be around them. I'm not telling you can't be with them. In some cases, the unbelievers are our children. In some cases, the unbelievers are our spouse. In some cases, the unbeliever will be our mom or dad. In some cases, the unbeliever might be a sibling. In some cases, the unbeliever might be a co-worker. I'm not telling you you can't be with them. What I'm telling you is... From now on, understand, when you're with them, you better be God's witness. When you're with them, you better be light. When you're with them, you better be salt. Let them see God in you when you're around them. Don't lower your guard. Don't let them get you coming on their side. Show them Jesus every time you're around them. That's how we're going to win our spouses. That's how we're going to win our children. That's how we're going to win our family members. We got to show them Jesus all the time. And the only way we're going to show them Jesus is by being around them. So I'm not telling you not to be around them. Go with them. Be around them. And for those that you have to be around, be around. But just be God's witness. That's all I'm saying. Don't get it twisted. You are God's witness to them. Without you, it's going to be hard for them to get Jesus. Because you're the closest thing to them and you've got Jesus. And if you're doing it up, they're going to know. Jesus is legit. Because only Jesus could have changed my daughter. Only Jesus could have changed my brother. Only Jesus could have changed my son. So we got to know we are witnesses to them. We are witnesses to them. So we can be around them. We need to be around them. But we need to make sure we understand we working when we're around them. We working when we're around them. And then the Bible says about when, when we're together as, as Christians, it's beautiful when we're together. Then it goes and also says, iron sharpeneth iron. So we don't have to, this, this is why we have to fellowship. If you can't be yourself around your brother and sister in Christ, we in trouble. Because that's the only place we can let our hair down and just be who we are. And the church sometimes is so stiff. This is the place where you just be loose. This is the place where you be free. But if you're not fellowshipping, you will never be free and loose. Be here and be loose and free. And don't worry about it. Nobody judging you here. And it's a fool that will judge you here because they're judging themselves by judging you. This is where you'll get loose. This is where you'll be who you are. This is where you cry. This is where you just go through your struggles. I'm going through and it's hard. This is where you just let it go. Because you fellowship here. All the other places, you got to be a witness. Around the other people, you got to be a witness. But right here, just let it rip. Doesn't matter. And last scripture, Philippians 2, verse number 1 says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, 
If any bowels and mercies fulfill ye my joy that ye may be like minded. Christ said we must be one with each other as he and the father is one. Now the apostle is writing that we must be like minded. We can't be we can't be having different minds. We have to be like minded. And we will. You know, tell me how we going to be like minded. You know how we going to be like minded. The Bible says. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. That's how we're going to be like-minded. So we, if we're not fellowshipping, you know what it means. We're not being like-minded, which means the mind of Christ is not in one of us or both of us. That we may be like-minded, having the same love. Who is love? God is love. Having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. That's how we're going to fellowship. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. When we come to church, you look good, but you just find somebody tell them they look good. As a matter of fact, you know how it goes. You don't do it for this, but this is normally how it works. Man, Tom, I like that outfit. You look tremendous this morning. You're not so bad yourself either. We just fellowship. See that? We both going to feel good with that. I'm not telling you to congratulate somebody, tell them they look nice because you want them to give you a compliment back. But what I'm saying is when we're really fellowshipping, we're going to bless each other. Amen. Go try that with somebody that's not in church because what they think look good, <laughs> you don't think it's look good. And what you think look good to them, they're like, man, you're corny. So we can't go out there and tell them about how good they look. But I can tell you how good you look. Because you look godly and holy and righteous. you got the light of Christ just beaming from you. You look good. God is working in your life. I can tell you that. And you can tell somebody else that. And we esteem each other better than ourselves. Look not every man on his own thing, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That's how we're going to have fellowship. We're going to have fellowship because we like-minded. We don't have a choice, church. We have to fellowship. We can't cut this part of the deal out. We, we think that, well, I'm born again. I've got the Holy Spirit. I know the word of God. I go to church. The DNA of the church. We must have the word down pat after we get saved. We must continue in the word. We must have fellowship. And we'll talk about the other two next time we come together. But everything that's listed in that book that God said we must do, we have to do it. And it might seem sometimes like no big deal to us. But if God didn't think it was a big deal, he wouldn't put it there. If he puts it there in that book, it's a big deal. I don't care how much you think it may not be a big deal. I don't care how much you say, well, they're not doing it. They're not doing it. If it's in the book, it's a big deal. God is the only one that don't waste words and waste time and waste actions. We do it. But whatever he does, it's for a reason. It's for a purpose. It is needed. And that's why he says it. Or that's why he does it. But he just don't do it like us. Me and you, we do so many things that we don't even know why we did it. And we'll continue to be that way because that's just who we are. Not God. Any questions? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm listening. We're listening. That's it. Uh-huh. Amen. Amen. In Genesis, the Bible says, Sister Florence, good to see you. And God said, it was not good for man to be alone. And we trying to be alone. 
Let's get this thing together. Fellowship is important. We can't abandon each other. We can't abandon ship. Every time we're supposed to meet, let's meet. Let's begin to defy what is trying to take a hold of people. Listen to me. We're, our world is trying to say, listen, things have changed, yes. But we're trying to heap that change on the kingdom of God. And God don't change. And so he is still the same. And from the very beginning when Adam had fellowship with God in the garden, he still demand fellowship today. And there is no other way to fellowship than, than, than to put time in. Time. Let's get our life in order where we will be where we're supposed to be when God said we're supposed to be there. And not make excuses and not try to make sure we're there and come up with reasons why. We need to fix our life so we are always where we need to be, where God said we need to be. When you fix your life like that and you put yourself in a position where you will always be where God needs you to be. Listen, God has blessing in store for us. Depending on where he has called you to. Where the purpose of God is, the provision of God is. So if you stay in the purpose of God, God has to give provision. He doesn't tell you to come here and he don't provide for you here. So he don't say come to Bible study, but just come. No, he's going to provide for you. He don't tell you to come to worship. He's going to provide for you. Wherever he designates for you to be, he's going to provide for you. Just make the effort to go and you will begin to see transformation in your life. Let me tell you, last thing I'll say to you. We don't need the whole church to change. We just need a few people to get it. When a couple of people get it, we're going to infect everybody else. I need you to get it. Guess why? They expect for me to get it. I can preach it. I'm blue in the face. Yeah, that's the preacher. I can live it out. with. Hey, I'm telling you, all my life, I want to cry every time I think about it. I always feel like my church always felt like I was a machine. They never looked at me as human. They just feel like, that's just him. That's what he does. That makes me so mad. Nobody knows how mad that makes me. Because they think I'm a machine. Because I'm just always in place, always... And so now I'm in here, I'm the preacher, you're going to say, well, you know, I hear him, but he the preacher, God called him. But if I can get some of you to get beside yourself and start being in the position where God wants you and start doing what God called you to do in church service, you begin to plug into God and worship God and praise God the way God wants you to, it's going to change this church and your house will be affected by it. And your family will be affected by it. And your community will be affected by it. Your life won't be the same again. I learned this thing about God that when you give yourself to God, man, you are going to be blessed beyond measure. And you're going to affect everybody around you. If we would just trust him. Let's stand. Fellowship. Ask God to help you to go beyond yourself, to go beyond your ability, to go beyond your norm. Ask God to help you go beyond your norm. I believe that God can use everybody that's here tonight to go beyond the norm and to infect everybody. That when you come to church on Sunday, just when you pass people, they just look back like something different about you. And And when you lift your hands to worship and praise God, something just happens because you are making a pact with God that God, I want to do it the way you want me to do it. I want to do it the way where I can have impact because hear me, church, if we don't start to have impact in the kingdom of God, 
Little by little, you're going to stop doing stuff. Little by little, you're going to stop coming. Little by little, you stop worshiping. Little by little, you stop reading your word because it's hard for people to keep doing things without results. It's just the way it is. It's how we're built. If we keep doing something and we're not seeing results, it doesn't matter how much the preacher said. Have faith. Trust in the Lord. Seek after him. Worship him. Yeah, I've been doing that and I haven't seen nothing. And it slows you down. It makes you stop doing things. But if we will commit our ways and dig deep. Father, in the name of Jesus. By your spirit, Lord God, let your will be done. 